it's a different kind of movie. I mean, it's it's one thing if you have uh, a slasher movie where it's just kill, kill, kill. Obviously, there's a lot of like visceral things to talk about. Uh, but you know, yeah, I think you know we did we did a good job of painting a picture of what the movie is, but yet you know pointing out the good and bad. I, yeah, it felt pretty effortless. Like it it went nice, it was smooth. Yeah. I feel like it'll still be as ignored as it was before we did it. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're not going to create a legion of fans here. No. And we'll see if we can fill an hour with the cottage. <laughs> <laughs> and if we don't, that's fine. Yeah. No, it'll, there's some good stuff in here. Enter, if you dare, this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her Don't let her get away But first, the Slumber Podcast Massacre With TNA Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA That's Tim That's Andy And this is a podcast about horror Every week, Tim and I are going to talk about a different film from the horror genre From your well-known, revered classics Down to that Rare gem kidnapped and put in a bathroom at the back of your <laughs> video store shelf. Tim, this week we're talking about 2008 English horror comedy, The Cottage. Tim, when was the last time you were on a farm? Ooh, um, you know, it's it has been a while, but I do like farms. Um, I, I've never had a pet growing up, like like at all, like no dogs, no cats, no anything. My sister had such horrible allergies that we literally could have no oh, haired animal. And so for me to be on farms is like a really great experience because it's, it's not just animals, it's really big animals. And <laughs> the best, probably the best farm story that I have is there was a party, it was a house party uh, in high school. And I don't even remember exactly where it was. It was enough to where I didn't know where we were anymore. Like we had to drive far enough out and it was just fields. It's basically like when people think of the state of Indiana, what they think of, like it's just wide open farms and and that sort of thing. Well, came to a a four-way stop and there was a, a big giant field and it was massive And there were no other animals around except for one cow. And at the time, I was, you know, very, very um, protective and uh, and very diligent about the care of my hair at that time. So we were we were having an overnight and like unlike your average, you know, 15 or 16 year old, I did bring along my hair products with me for the overnight. Your hair was amazing in high school. So I understand. It was, yeah, it was, it was really beautiful stuff. (laughs) And um, so we get to this four way stop. I've got my bag packed for the night. We're going over to this friend's house. Now the, the overnight wasn't at where we were going. What was happening was there was actually just a little bit of an outdoor concert. Oh yeah. I know what party you're talking about. Oh yeah. And so we're headed I, I played my band played at that party. Yes. Oh and uh, so we get to this four way. It stop was in the middle of nowhere. It was. I don't do you even. I mean, I, I don't remember even, whose house it was, but could I get there? Absolutely not. Like, I remember <laughs> leaving something there and like really memorizing how to get back there for when I had to go pick it up the next day. Like, right. It was. It I, I literally, I can picture it I did, to this day. I've been all over this city of ours. I could not tell you where we were, but we were out there and there's this cow standing at the edge of a field, no other farmer or cow or animal in sight. So I've got my giant bottle of shampoo and it was like a real like nineties, eighties, nineties brand. And it was neon green. And I don't know what came over me, but I hopped out of the car And took that shampoo bottle and just in like a smooth back and forth motion, just blasted that cow with shampoo, like just up and down the butt, not in the face, not in the air. Sure. No. Yeah. Literally just like zigzag lines back and forth across the profile of its body of this like neon green shampoo and hopped in the car. And I figured it was kind of a victimless crime, you know, but the funniest thing was the idea of 
whenever that cow did make its way back to the barn and the farmer being like, what the fuck happened here? Like a ghost slimed it. (laughs) (laughs) And and like we were laughing about the thought of what if we go to the party, you know, hang out, see the bands play and come back and the cow is still standing in the same place, but it's just fully lathered up. It's like in a full lather, just standing there. And uh, so, yeah, that's a uh, that's my one big farm story. I I love farms. I I wish I could shampoo a lot more cows if I, if I had the opportunity. Well, Tim, you're lucky nothing bad happened to you, and there wasn't some sort of uh, retaliation from the farmer, <laughs> right? Like in this week's movie, 2008's The Cottage, written and directed by uh, Paul Andrew Williams, stars Andy Serkis. Reese Shearsmith and Jennifer Ellison. Uh, I found its budget. It was two and a half million pounds. That's this is this is how little I could find about this movie. The most <laughs> I could find was its budget in British pounds. <laughs> yeah, and, and it even, made and then it made one point six mil in U.S. dollars. So I don't even know how well that translates. Yeah, it we'll just call it fair to Midland. You know, it's sure. neither here nor there. A movie was made, money was spent. It certainly money was wasn't earned. spent on marketing because I never heard of this. There was an exchange of currency. <laughs> we know this much. Um yeah, no, it's 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 decidedly British. Um, and you're right. I I love the challenge of research. I love talking with you on this show, but I I equally love doing the research and and preparing for this and and either verifying things that I think I already know or just learning brand new things. And you're right. There is nothing on this movie. And I was shocked by that because we've covered movies that are, I would think, at least even from just a, a chronological standpoint, way more obscure, you know, made 30, 40 years ago. This movie's made just a handful of years ago, and there is nothing about this movie. And even when I tried to look up the director, he's got a, a bunch of credits, none of which I recognized. No. <laughs> like, the only- I think they're just a lot of them are English ones. He had done some movie, and I looked it up earlier, I can't remember what it is now, uh, that was apparently was kind of one of those movies where people are like, oh, watch out for this guy. Uh, right. And then he did this movie and people are like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah. You, <laughs> you, you no longer have to keep watch. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Go about. Well, we're not business. saying this movie is bad at all. No, no, this no, movie is good. This is a good movie. And, uh, let's and- Go, yeah, go ahead. Right at, let's go right into Nansom. Yeah. Uh, let's do Nansom real quick. Uh, in a remote English village, two brothers bring the daughter of a notorious mob boss to hold her for ransom. Unfortunately for them, they are idiots. And on top of being followed by two dangerous hitmen and their victim escaping, they must also contend with the hulking, psychopathic farmer that lives next door. That is the first time that you've passed personal judgment on any of our characters. <laughs> Idiots. I think they lay it on pretty thick. Those yeah. guys are idiots, though. <laughs> no, no, that's that's exactly right. And and what you just described there, like it, it almost sounds like two different movies, and this almost feels like two different. It movies. does feel like two different movies. And um, it's a really, I'll tell you, it, it is well. It's like a psycho. It's where it's, but without the <laughs> please, this is not psycho. But it's that we're going to introduce this problem and then halfway through in this movie, two thirds of the way through. But it's like now what you thought was the main problem gone, like gone forever. We've got a whole new issue now. Right. And and the thing is, when when you when we can explore this a bit more later on, um, the one big risk that you take when you blend genres is that if you're not solely focused on one genre of your movie to develop that as the genre that it is. And when you start blending two, it's easy to do watered down versions of both because mm-hmm. you just don't have enough time to fully explore two of them. You're, you're trying to get them. You're trying to cram them both in there. So it's not the easiest thing to do. Now we're talking about the genre of a, like you said, like a, a bungled uh, kidnapping and the genre of a slasher. Now, I personally think those two things are a great match for each other. I, I think that there's a lot to work with there. This yeah. movie does an overall awesome job Especially of it. Especially like a kidnapping. You already have characters that are 
criminals, you know, your main characters are criminals. So nefarious. Yeah. So if anything bad happens to them, you don't yeah. care. That's good. Right. But they right. also at least make like at least one of the brothers, because it's two brothers and at least one of them, you're a little sympathetic. Like maybe he is, you know, goes along with his older brother. I don't know if he's older. I'm just assuming the older brother is usually the more dominant one. I wish I could say the same for my own. <laughs> I was just about to make a comment, but yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, typically, typically, yes. Typically, yeah. typically. Um, well, I will say that the older one's usually the more uh, brash and forceful one that yeah. happened in our house. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, but still, yeah, there's still criminals who've kidnapped someone. And, and as this movie does, like none of the characters are are likable, but that's what makes them likable, I think. Right. And not not to such an extent where you're like, this is just an awful person. Well, they are awful people. You know what I'm getting at. No, and it's and it's fun that way because they all come from the criminal world, so right. it's hard to paint them in any good light. And the, and the idea people. of the idea of that is kind of fun because. I mean, at least until we get to what could be considered like the the second half or maybe even the final act of this movie is that it's nice to have a horror movie where you start out and there isn't just some like horrible, despicable person like these guys, like you said, are criminals, but they're not like evil, mindless killers. They're just idiots. Yeah. Like you they said, don't know what they're doing. They're right. trying and, to they're, they're essentially they've kidnapped this mob boss's daughter i'm assuming andy circus's character ah, shit i didn't write down any character names andy circus did you write down their character names? yeah uh that would be david david oh, right of course david um david is probably the more nefarious one and he yes. wraps his brother up into it uh, but they kidnap the daughter of probably someone david works for or definitely works with and um in hopes to get some ransom money. And then they were going to, cause their mom's house, they go, they go to their mother's cottage to, to take the, the girl they've kidnapped. But the whole thing is the mother has died and has like left it to both of them. So they're going to then. I'm a little fuzzy now. <laughs> well, yeah, no, yeah the, <laughs> the idea is, is that with the ransom money, um, you know, David has a plan to just have a boat and sail away right. for the rest of his life. And his brother, Peter, really wants the house because he's trying to have a family and he really loves his wife. And uh, and so he kind of wants the traditional, you know, uh, domesticated life. And either way, the money, while they want two very different things, the money is their way to get what they want in yeah. life i forgot about the boat that's because i was like i know one of them wants the house but what does the other one want the boat that's right right and um, this this movie was um like i said uh you know kind of in the teaser in the the last show uh i literally had just seen the trailer um it was on a best of like kind of a list where it was like uh horror movies that you might have missed uh best of list and uh saw the trailer uh as recommended by uh by an, another very uh big horror fan friend and um watched the trailer and was like this looks fun like this looks awesome and, and if you remember we had another movie picked out which is also an amazing movie which we'll get to eventually but um but this looked like so much fun in the trailer i'm like dude can we just do this movie because this looks great and um so it was kind of exciting from that standpoint to say like okay is this is this really going to live up to the trailer or not and it very quickly does because you had sent me a message <laughs> when you were watching it because you hadn't seen it either and it said that just from watching the credits, you already knew that the movie was going to be awesome. Yeah. So just yeah. The, title, the title card alone, or, or at least the title animation, very reminiscent of the greatest title card in movie history, Cabin in the Woods. Yes. Um, <laughs> this reminded me of that, but it's more of this, you know, it's this ominous music. And then like just the letters that spell out the cottage start coming up randomly. But it's this like, Super important, like <laughs> you just know, like, all right, yeah, you just and get the vibe that that's a joke, right? Presenting itself is so well done, 
Yeah, and you and and the like you mentioned the music. The music is in the in that intro is fun. It's kind of uh, kind of Danny Elfman style. Mm-hmm. Like it's sort of like playful, and it kind of gets you excited. And and so yeah, it it really starts off with a bang. And you know, it's one of those great movies that kind of similar almost to. Um, and I guess this makes sense being a, a very very British movie, but kind of similar to Guy Ritchie's movies where a ton of background in the beginning you're just sort of thrust right into the middle of a situation that's playing out and so these brothers like you said have this kidnapped person uh that they've they've taken to this cottage that's just way out of the way and the first thing that you find yourself asking is how are british cottages so cool oh man but they are like i don't know what it is it's like simple design but top five ways i'd love to retire like just a remote English cottage. Yes. It looks so cozy. It does. Oh. It, it does. It's, it's like kind of thrown together, but you know, it's been there for a long time. So there's obviously some craftsmanship in it, you know? And like, even if it was 90 degrees outside, it still feels like you should build a fire every night, you know, <laughs> right. like just a quilt out. Cause naturally there's a quilt laying over a chair somewhere, like just cozy. Yeah. And and, uh, you know, I keep mentioning this film being very British and and they really punch us in the teeth with it in um, in the fact that the brothers are now in the house. Um, they're kind of going about the, the beginnings of their plan here. They've they've kidnapped the girl, the, the daughter of the mob boss. She's out in the trunk um, of the car, passed out from chloroform. And what do they do? They have some tea. And this might this might seem to some people like an overdone cultural stereotype. I'm here to tell you that it is not overdone in the slightest. No. Now, I can't speak to the English side of it, but both of my grandmothers were half Welsh. And the, my one particular, um, I, I actually knew her mother as well uh, and my great grandmother. And we visited her all the time. And I spent a lot of time as a kid. I mean, we're talking every single Sunday, we went to visit great grandma and grandma. And there was never, and I mean, never, ever, never a time that we stepped foot into that house and immediately wasn't somebody like hurriedly getting to the kitchen to put water on to make tea. Yeah. So much so that like, as I got older and I would go to like friends' houses and maybe like their parents would have people over or something and I don't see anybody making tea. And I'm like, who are these fucking barbarians? <laughs> like this is, if you're going to do any task, whether it's sitting down and talking through a problem or visiting or anything is at hand and you don't have tea first, that is borderline psychotic. Like that, that is just, it's madness to think of doing that. Um, And it's, it's, it's very real that, that whole tea connection is very real. And they really, even just the tea time, like, like wrap your head around like a national coffee break. Like that's just like four o'clock. Everyone has a cup of tea. Yeah. And then what a market to be in. And you always have like a little sweet something with it, like some cookies or scones oh, or something. Biscuits, like Tim. They're yeah, biscuits. biscuits. Sorry, sorry, biscuits. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, and they they really they like I said, they just hit you over the head with it because Peter, the sort of like more you know shy or or less uh, competent brother, has a coffee mug that just says "I heart tea" on it, it just in big letters. <laughs> And so they're really kind of driving the point home that this is very much a British film. And it it moves like a British film. It sounds like it, not, not just in the accents, but the back and forth delivery of British comedies is, is I think, kind of at the heart of, of their, at least to me, their appeal. That sort of rapid fire, back and forth, um, real quick-witted um, and and usually has to do with somebody sort of being angry with another person or somehow yeah. putting them down. And uh, and this movie delivers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, so our two our two main brothers are so Peter is played by Reese Shearsmith and who looked familiar to me. And then looking him up, he was in this series, and I may have shown it to you. This would have been near twenty years ago. Uh, early 2000s is when I was first introduced to it. It's called The League of Gentlemen, not to be confused 
with the uh, Sean Connery movie League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. This was a British series called The League of Gentlemen. It was just about this small town and the they and these like five guys. It was like a comedy group, and they played all the characters in this town. So I had watched like the first season of that since it's English, three episodes. That's how their seasons <laughs> work. Um, but yeah, so the one of these guys was very familiar to me. So looking him up, I was like, oh, League of uh, Gentlemen. And I've spent like all day now like deep diving back into all these <laughs> League of Gentlemen episodes I watched before. It's a great show. I definitely uh, uh, recommend checking it out. And then David is played by Andy Serkis, which if you could please just re- uh, react like uh, I'm going to say something. And uh, if you react like you did the first time I said it, where I go, well, Andy Serkis, I mean, he looks pretty tough. I mean, especially when you consider he played Gollum. What? <laughs> he he was Gollum? Yeah. Yeah. No. Andy Serkis. Oh, Gollum, my God. He was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah, we've had that. We've had this exchange before, but it really did go like that. I had no idea. I mean, I know you don't look at this guy and go Gollum. No, no, not at all. Yeah, Andy Serkis, the like master of like he is the uh, uh, who's the who's the real tall guy who does all the horror. Doug Jones. Is that his name? Yes. Doug Jones. Uh He is like the Doug Jones of motion capture. You know, anytime you need someone to do the best acting in a full motion body capture suit, you get Andy Serkis. He yeah, did Gollum. He, he was uh, Caesar in all the new Planet of the Eight movies. He's yeah, great. and yeah, and, and other stuff I can't. Think. And he's I fantastic in this. Like he's um, he's exactly. It's not an easy character to play. Somebody who who is doing something criminal, but maybe not the most seasoned criminal in the world. So it's not like he can play it as a full on like hardened badass. I mean, he's still kind of a a relatively normal guy. If he's any sort of criminal, it's just real low like level. He knows what he's doing, but he doesn't have the clout to get other people who know what they're doing. You know, right. he's not able to get anyone else on his side. So he's able to only get his brother and the uh, stupid brother of the girl they kidnap. Yeah. Stepbrother. So this is, yeah, you think, you think that David's brother is bad enough, but then along comes the kidnap girl's stepbrother and he is, he is so hilarious as a character. And you, it's so funny because you think that, that Peter is going to fill all of the voids of the hapless, helpless, you know, part of this story, but in comes Andrew and he just takes it up a notch and it's hysterical. He's played by Stephen O'Donnell. He looked familiar to me. I, I didn't look up what other stuff he did, but he's in he's just, um he's in uh oh, what is it? Um um what's the um, in love? What's the uh, the one with um well I can tell you he's he was in Spice World. I can tell you that. Oh um and but I mean he might be known for um a night's tale. Spice World? Uh, I've seen parts, yeah. I saw that alone in the theater, I was gonna say. <laughs> Yes. No one would go with me. I was very into the Spice Girls at that time. <laughs> Not ashamed. No, no, nor should you be. Um, uh, yes, he was in A Knight's Tale. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's one just a character actor, you know. Yeah. Um, just kind of a big schlubby guy. Yeah. So funny, though. And he, I love, there's a, I, I will say this from the movie. Like, I do like a lot of the writing. They do set up some great, jokes or bits like there's when they first introduce him and he comes into this strip club and it's just the it's this good fellas shot you know where they're just following him through the club but everyone there is like hey andrew nice haircut nice haircut like every single person he runs into talks about his haircut and then you find out later the own like you find out later that the mob boss is aware that this kidnapping has happened. He knows everyone behind it. And the reason he knows is because he's kidnapped Andrew's hair. The guy who gave Andrew a haircut and right, tortured him for the information. But everyone knows now about the haircut guy. So they just like this passive aggressive low key, like nice haircut. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone knows this guy's fucked because of the hair guy. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh yeah. It's hysterical. And that's, yeah, you really know that like looking back, even with guys saying like, yeah, it looks like a lot of effort went into that, you know, (laughs) and it's, and it's kind of really unremarkable hair. Like that's the funny part. It's like, what's the deal with the haircut thing? (laughs) Right. So yeah, good reveal on that later. So, so here comes um, our, our kidnapped hostage, uh, the character by the name of Tracy and she is impossible not to love for a couple of different oh. reasons. She is, first of all, um, physically everything that you would think of as far as like a, a Barbie doll type person. She's got this beautiful braided blonde hair. She's very well endowed in, in the chest. Um, she's, she's just like a hot club kid. Yeah. An, and, a hot entitled club kid. And even she even pulls it off by having a very British face, which is not easy to do, by the way. But um, but she's great because everything about her is this cute sex kitten type exterior. But when you find out her personality, it's just she is the most raw, hardcore <laughs> foul mouth person in the entire movie yep. and she is a badass there is no fear into getting kidnapped with her like she can't wait to fuck these guys up right and she does and the thing is what i what i really love and i don't know if this was a conscious choice i'm sure it helped her in getting the role is that um the actress that plays her jennifer ellison is from liverpool and you know me i love accents and she's got a very oh. very thick Liverpoolian accent, which just just by nature of the the qualities of the accent itself sounds harder. You know, the the northern people in in England are norm, known as the kind of the tough ones. It's the northern monkeys and the southern fairies is how they put it. Um, so she has that sort of hard sounding accent. And when you think of Liverpool, like most people just know about the lilt, like the Beatles lilt. So when they they impersonate right. the Beatles, it's just everything goes up at the end. You know, it's just, you know, we're the Beatles. And and that's how everybody does that accent. And the thing is, they do do that little. I mean, it's not all the time, but it's got um, the accent itself is kind of like a mix between Irish and British. Um, so like uh, like if they say the word fuck, it's fuck. Um, so that you get a different U sound. It's more guttural sounding. And um, so it just fits her character because she is raw as hell and it's fantastic. And you just, like I said, you fall in love with her because she, because she's a badass and she's very capable. And um, she ultimately gets away, uh, you know, gets out of her restraints and she just knows she, she takes a one look at these two brothers and she knows that they are just complete fucking fools oh yeah and and exploit she's able to like get like get all the information she needs i mean i'm sure her dad has probably put her through some kind of listen here the there is a chance you could get kidnapped i have enemies if you do here's what you do stay calm get you know gather information so when they call she's able to be like yeah i'm here in this cottage one of the guys name is david you know she's already got everything (laughs) laid out because, of course, uh, Peter has said David's name. They're masked, but, you know, he has already said his name because um, he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, when Andrew shows up, he's got a mask. Great joke where he's like, he's like, yeah, I picked up a mask on the way here. And he puts it on just the whole, it's a ski mask, but the whole front is cut out. He's just yeah, like, it covers everything but his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it's hysterical. And and there are, I mean, jokes supreme running like left and right uh, throughout all of this buildup as what is still very much a kidnapping film. And we get introduced to what we think is going to be a next level of this movie. And it turns out there is a level beyond the level. <laughs> but the next level are these two. Um, I don't know if you'd call them assassins henchmen yeah that are that are hired yeah that are hired by um by the the kidnapped girls by tracy's father uh to go you know rescue her and and save her because they have kidnapped the hairdresser that's obviously how they got all the information they now have him in the back seat of their their car they've driven they're really close to where tracy is being held so this thing is falling apart from the very beginning yeah we should i don't think we clarified but 
the brothers are the, the 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 Peter and David are in on it with Andrew, and Andrew's job is to like the, he's supposed to be the un unknown like unaware of bad guy, but he's specifically bringing the money. And when he shows up, it's great because they're like David's like, okay, so you know he's like, did you bring everything? He's like, yeah, brought the bag of money. I just threw threw my car and got here. He's like, is it all there? He's like, I don't know. I didn't look at it. He's like you didn't look at the money. He's like, no, you know, and then they open the bag and it's just full of like white paper. And he's like, were you followed? And he's like, no, I don't think so. And immediately you see like the two guys that have been following him. <laughs> well, his, his first response is when they say, were you followed? He just goes by a car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just hysterical. Um, yeah. And, and he was in fact followed and, and we have these two, Asian uh, henchmen that I'm not a hundred percent sure why they, they, they had to be Asian, but it's kind of, they kind of have that air London's of a like, diverse town. Tim. What's that? London's a very diverse town. Yes. Yes. And, uh, but they have that sort of like, kind of like Asian gang slice them, dice them quality, you know, yeah. like that. They're, they're just Simmering like crazy. Yeah. They can't have, wait to go off. Right. They have there's they have nothing against just gutting the hell out of somebody, which they very much do. And um, so, you know, you're afraid of what these guys are going to do. And as a viewer, you're imagining what is going to be or You figure it has to be a confrontation with when these guys get to the house and the brothers have to fight them off. But the movie, like it like it does, takes a little bit of a twist and these guys never really get to complete the mission because they've been intercepted by the farmer, the farmer. Yeah. And now we don't see yet. Like this is all implied. Right. Right. Exactly. And um, one of them leaves the car and he just doesn't come back. We don't even see him until much later. Right. What happens to the other guy in the car that I don't remember. Well, there's, yeah, there's the one that is ultimately, you know, tied to the tree. Yeah. And then I think we maybe see the other one back at the farmer's house. Maybe. maybe. I think so. Okay. But either way, yes. Not they really are, important. They are both dealt with. And there's a hilarious scene where the, the poor hairdresser, Stephen, has made his way to the cottage. And, um, you know. Yeah, because he's, he's part- in the back seat with the, the muscle. They yes. brought him to the house. Right. To and, the cottage. And it was their goal, the muscle's goal, to kill, ultimately kill Stephen. Now, the question is, when he is basically disemboweled, when Stephen is, is that done by the Asian muscle or was that done by the farmer that found him? That we don't know. Yeah, Um, I think that's maybe that's what's supposed to be implied, that it was the farmer because he's like, don't go out there, you'll die. And probably the other guy was killed by the farmer. Yes. That makes so, sense. Yeah, either way, we get Steven. He's made his way back to the house. He's in our cottage. He's in very bad shape. Literally, his intestines are laying on the floor. <laughs> and they're, of course, uh, David and Peter are trying to get information out of him as to, you know, who did this and how many were there and, and you know, who did this to you? What, what did they look like? And he just says, Chinese, <laughs> Korean? <laughs> like... Like Which, this poor guy is on his deathbed and he's like still trying to like get out the proper ethnicity of these, yeah. these henchmen. Which I super appreciated because while watching it, I'm like, well, we have to bring these guys up. But, you know, I want to be the forthright about someone's ethnicity ethnicity, and I don't want to misrepresent. So it is like, oh, how do I talk about these guys? I don't just want to say Asian, but are they Chinese? I'm not sure. So, yeah, when that guy is like Chinese korean like <laughs> so self-aware of just trying to at least trying to get it right but i'm not sure yeah oh it's so good it was oh. absolutely hilarious and and that's the thing like i just as a as a quick overall um I want to go back and watch this movie just as a comedy. Like, I think it's okay to go into it as a horror. Trust me, it does deliver on that front too. But just as a as a note to myself to remind myself to go back and, and literally just watch it for the comedy because it is that funny. Yeah, because you might lose some of it because going into it, knowing it's a horror, you're kind of anticipating that. So while things are still funny, if you're not in the mindset for a comedy, or because yeah. or, or, a lot of the humor does 
you kind of taken and uh, it's, it catches you off guard about how funny right. it actually um, is. Yeah. And how um, much, how much of that is, but now yeah. here's, here's and it's, but it's not like dummy and slapsticky. Like it's good, no. natural situational comedy. Yeah. So kind of, you know, I, 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 I don't mean to compare these movies just because they're both British, but kind of along the lines of, of Shaun of the dead. Like if, if you liked uh, the intermix of comedy uh, and horror, like if you like Shaun of the dead, you're going to like the flavor of this movie for sure. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Yeah. You almost end up. This mit- is not satirical like that movie. Like there's right. no, yeah. You're right. But yeah, you're, you're right. You, you, it's almost like you hear the punchlines happening and you know that it's funny, but it's like, I'm just trying to pay attention to the horror. You know, I, right. I want to make sure I don't miss anything. Um, but the one interesting part, there's a, there's a slight segue into what brings us to the, the farmer or the deranged, you know, killer farmer that we run into in the third act of this movie. And it's uh, when David encounters uh, some townspeople, some rural townspeople when yeah. he's gone to, to try and make a phone call. Now, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, when you're watching that scene, did you also get the feeling that like maybe there's some sort of like townspeople in on it kind of thing? Right. Yeah. Because they seem to be very aware that uh, bad things happen, but it's like an accepted thing. So right. I don't know if it's like, well, we know about this murderous farmer, but as long as you stay away, uh, it's fine. But yeah, they're. There does seem to be some sort of conspiracy with the people because they are all out like the whole village like comes out to watch David make this phone call. Right. So there is a very uh, not, you know, not to keep on the Simon Pegg, but it's it's like hot fuzz where that whole yeah. town is this you know cons- murderous conspiracy. It felt that way, but then there's nothing else. No, you run into the farmer where you're like, ah, now I see why the town is keeping this quiet or something. Right. And, and among those townspeople, we have a very brief cameo by Doug Bradley. Yes, we do. Um, so that's that's kind of fun. And another pinhead for our not as tuned <laughs> listeners. Yes. Doug Bradley, old pinhead from Hellraiser. Uh, yeah, our favorite movie. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, so it, another thing now, if we're talking about little like nods to other movies and actors and cameos, I don't know if I was just reading into this or not. But there was standing amongst the the townspeople is this Rottweiler, this dog, mm-hmm. and the dog's name is Thorn. And if you think about it, there might be a connection there to the omen because there's obviously the connection to the jackal and the Rottweiler that's like barking yeah. and in, in the omen two, uh, it's Thorn Industries, which is the company that Damien's, uh, I guess it would be his uh uncle owns thorn mm. industries and the rottweilers named thorn so i don't know if that's just my horror mind making those connections but yeah. it was an interesting choice um i mean if it's not you shouldn't be making a horror movie <laughs> yeah it was uh, a <laughs> I, I knew as soon as that. i saw that i'm like man it just seems like there's a reason why they went with that name so interesting yeah but um, but yeah, we never really see a whole lot more or at all of these uh, these townspeople again. But it's enough to set up the sort of uh, foreboding, ominous feeling of, oh, shit, there's something out there in the dark that these guys that's even scarier than these criminals or wannabe criminals. And in uh, there very much is. And it is the farmer. Yeah. Now. I probably wasn't paying close enough attention to get it because I think a lot of it was communicated in um, headline clippings and stuff. Yeah. But but are we given to understand that this farmer was in a farming accident that disfigured him? Yes. And that that in and of itself drove him crazy? That's what I got from it. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah, because that's what I and he's is very much facially disfigured almost to the point of like not even having much of a face. Yeah. Um, it looks very stretched on. Like he has no lips. Yeah. It's just bared teeth. Right. And, uh, and he's very tall, uh, very, you know, it's kind of stereotypical textbook horror bad guys. He's, he's big in stature. He's 
scary looking and uh, he's got a lot of weapons and a nice big collection of human body parts. Yes, he does. So he's, he's been, yeah, because Tracy and Peter have left the house because of, because everyone there died. So they're going to try and find a phone because yeah, right. Yeah. Cause Steven's Korean, he's already died. And right. so they're going to try and find a phone, right? Yeah. And what's hysterical is on the way there. So you've got you've got Peter and Tracy. Now, now, naturally, Tracy hates Peter because she's one of her captors. Right. Right. But she's not that worried about him because she has fucked this dude up. She's broken his (laughs) nose, which got fixed and then broke his jaw, which is probably most the one of the most unsettling things to see in this entire movie. And it's hysterical because he's talking with this massively like disjointed lower jaw. And it is absolutely hysterical. (laughs) Um, And they're walking through the woods together and they see a sign that says, you know, keep out, you know, keep out of the farm and all this stuff. But they're like, to hell with it. We got to get a phone. We got to get out of here. And that's when they, you know, inadvertently make their way onto the farmer's property and have to deal with him. Yeah. And this is where things get real messy. Um, takes a turn yeah in a good way um they you know they go into the house and and right off the bat there are it's very strange the things that they're looking at the decorations there's a uh, classical music playing which you know me i i love to to always draw these connections it's they're using it's it's beethoven's ninth it sounded um, like the i know what you're gonna say and it, i've listened to the clockwork soundtrack a lot it sounds like that exact track yeah and i didn't know if that was maybe an homage to clockwork or (laughs) you know just being british or if i'm if i'm really stretching it here for you know classical music fans uh the ninth symphony is is based on a poem called ode to joy which whose main theme is brotherhood so if wow. somebody was really thinking about it, maybe that's the connection, but uh, maybe I'm going it's- with the clockwork. One. <laughs> okay. We'll go with that. So that's probably more likely, but what's funny is, it was, is like, I've listened like, cause you can hear, yes, of course, like Beethoven's ninth is going to sound the same, but depending on what orchestra is doing it, it will sound a little different. Oh, like, sure. I had heard that clockwork off the soundtrack version so many times, like just <laughs> listening to it. I'm like, there is no way that's not that version. Yeah. It can't be. I'll go to the grave, Tim. <laughs> and and the fact that she just says uh, like, it's rubbish like this. <laughs> right. There is no pleasing this woman. Like oh. she's just fucking hardcore. And she, you know, takes the needle off the record. They know that they're in a freaky place. And then really a real nice surprise. I mean, you know, something's coming, but Tracy gets knifed farmer with a job. It's a machete. I think Yeah, it looks like a machete right through the, she gets it through the back. So it enters into the back out the front, but it gets her in a place of the abdomen where you're like, okay, this is bad, but I think that she can live. You know, I think she can just great because you love this this character i mean we all do and so you're like okay cool she got fucked up but she's gonna live plus with the rules of a horror movie you're immediately like well this is the final girl uh it has to be and then she you know she's a kidnapping victim at least that's what you think initially then when they start when they introduce her as an actual character like when she talks and stuff you're like okay this person's not as like i need to be saved as your typical horror horror girl would be so they just add on to that by yeah then she being the first on screen she's not dead yet she does survive the stab but at least implied this is your first on screen here's the farmer killing someone and it's who you would assume would be the last survivor of the movie Right. And then and as you know, so if you want to really, really turn expectations on their head, uh, because, yes, we do assume she's got to be the final girl. I mean, she she's she's so likable. She's really the only female around. It's got to be her. But we spill out after she gets knifed. We spill out into the front yard of the uh, of the farm, the farmhouse. And this is where the gore in this movie really notches itself upward because one of now here's the funny thing i want to loose this is worth this is worth mentioning 
when you've watched as many horror movies as we have, you think you've seen the human body messed with in as many ways as you possibly can. We've seen a fisherman's hook uh, get intravaginal. <laughs> We've seen uh, all kinds of crazy ass wild things, but something so simple as an implement going into the human foot in a place that you've never seen it chopped off before. I was blown away and poor Peter gets attacked by the, uh, the farmer who takes a very sharp, whatever. I don't know what that kind of shovel is called. It's the one that's more just like rectangular. Yeah. And yeah, it's to take up big plots of land, of grass essentially. Right. So if you, if you're listening to this right now, I want you to look down at your foot <laughs> and right where your calf meets the top of your foot, from there on out to the toes, just hacked off. <laughs> just absolutely hacked off. And Put your boot's still on. Yeah. <laughs> and I was boot. like, oh, fuck. Like that. I mean, I was just, I just was not expecting that at all. And it was like, oh my God, I bet that hurts like a son of yeah. a bitch. It was you're awesome. like, can't get worse than this. And then immediately. Because <laughs> no. the girl, because Tracy is trying to at least save him or it's just like, you motherfucker you know yeah she's trying to like taunt the uh the farmer to get him and she knows that peter is messed up and even though this guy tried to kidnap her you know she's a good stand-up person and she tries to draw him the farmer away from peter and i <laughs> i was shocked i was completely shocked at what came next that tracy gets trouble right into the open mouth okay so it's right between her upper and lower jaws and her and you don't really as you're watching this you don't really know the perspective uh, of of where we're at right now but eventually her head you know she falls back onto the ground and the farmer just drives it in basically chopping her head off from the upper jaw to the top of the head yeah just and and it's shocking because of what happens it's also shocking because you're like, I can't fucking believe they just killed her. Yeah. And I and almost so gruesomely, like she has by far the most gruesome death. In yeah. This movie. And there's another one that comes pretty close, but we're given a, at, at a good distance. So we, so we should point out seeing as our only female character has died, this movie does not pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> in I fact, it, it just severs her head. Yeah, it's fair to say that it fails the test um, spectacularly. But uh, but yeah, so now here's here's kind of a funny thing just from a viewer perspective. I'm watching Tracy get killed and it's very decisively this time and um, she's not coming back. And even then, I still was trying to think of some way that she could survive. <laughs> like she's just had her head cut off and I was still praying that there was something that could bring her back. And I did, I, I almost to the point of feeling a little bit betrayed by the film at that point, I'm like, how could they do this? Yeah. But I didn't know what they had in store for us, which was essentially killing everyone. Yeah. Which is the only way then you can do it. And like if like David were have to gotten away, gotten away at the end and she didn't, it would have felt so wrong. Yeah, exactly. Or even Peter getting away at the end. Right. And, and the thing is, is that I, as I sat and thought about it, I thought about, I'm really surprised that more horror movies don't do that. Like if, if you're going to make an all out hardcore slasher, I'm surprised that there's not more movies where literally everyone ends up dead. Um, it's not like that hasn't happened before Shakespeare did it, but I mean, it's, it's so rarely used, but I think that's because you know, and nine times out of 10, you want people to care for your characters. You want them to sympathize with them and, you know, you don't want to kill them off, but they right. did. And it's a ballsy choice, but I, I eventually went with it. Um, but now, there is for as how brutal a killer he is, he does a poor job in killing people. Like there's a lot of slow deaths or he is able, not able to catch them or he leaves people for a while. You know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah. not a lot of like finality to his kills until they until, are very <laughs> until it happens. Obviously, right. yes, but it's not just sweepingly like oh this person this happens they're dead this person this happens they're dead. a lot of maiming in this movie. Yes, 
And uh, yeah, he's, I know what you're saying. He's not really swift about it. Like right. he's not, he doesn't, you know, he's not real great at, it. I mean, he's, he gets the job done eventually, but um, we get another, I, I have a note here. It just says a good despining um, <laughs> or Andrew yes. oh. or Andrew who in, in a very hilarious scene earlier has his foot trapped in a bear trap um, <laughs> twice <laughs> as they try to open it, it snaps again. It's hysterical, but he's now made his way onto the farm, yeah, and he's with Peter. He's with David. Yes, and when when Andrew gets killed, we literally get to see the spine ripped out of the back with the head still attached. Yeah. And I was at that point, you're just having fun. Like if, <laughs> if you're a gore hound, you know, and I'm not the biggest one, but when they do something like that and they kind of do it at enough of a distance, yeah, it's a distance, not, it's almost silhouetted. It's in like the silvery light of the moon, you know? So it's yes. not like in your face, the blue, but it's almost more effective because you do just get a wide shot of him pulling the entire spinal cord out of the body with the head attached. Yeah. And, and again, you're hit with another instance where you're like, man, there's no coming back from that. Like, like they are, they are not going to, you know, return in the last frame of the movie. So, um, but it turns out like he's killed a lot of people like in his house, like his freezer is full of hands. He's got a like shed full of heads. So, I mean, obviously these townspeople know what's going on, but they do never explore what benefits them from it or why they allow it to happen. Yeah. And maybe there's something there that we don't know. I mean, maybe I I don't know enough about it to speak to it, but maybe there is, I'm sure like there is everywhere, some sort of, um, you know, not the best relationship between rural people and city people in, in England. I don't know. I mean, maybe those people out in the cottages like their simple life and they don't like when people, you know, come traveling through or whatever. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's there's actually a, a huge part in the league of gentlemen. That is the, the character that I'm thinking of Reese Shearsmith plays it's him and his wife. And they're both have these like pig snouts and they are very weary about anyone coming into the town to where they will then, if they hear people are coming into the town, they will kill them. <laughs> okay. Well, so maybe it is a <laughs> so, thing. Like, yeah. It's gotta be a thing. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, you're right. He is very prolific as a killer, apparently has killed every single person that's tried to make their way into that town. Um, and, uh, and it's at this point that as a viewer, you just, you don't know what's coming next. Apparently if, if they're willing to kill these people, they'll kill anybody. And you think that maybe David, you know, despite being the, the kind of harsher criminal that he is, you, you do still kind of like the guy and you think maybe he's going to live, but that doesn't happen either. Yeah. Um, now, we, now we know that he gets the the pickaxe through the leg. Right. But I'm trying to remember, how does he actually die, die? I don't remember. Is it just that he did. bleeds out? It might be because his brother comes and they kind of just lay together. Yeah. And so, then I don't remember what ultimately they both die. Yeah, I, I don't. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. So, yes, David dies um, and Peter runs back into the house. And the only place he has to go is into the basement where the because the farmer comes out of a trap door. Right. In the kitchen. So the only place he has to go now is down into the cellar and he gets down there and he's got a Zippo. This is the end of the movie. He's down there. He's got a Zippo that keeps blowing out. And he finally like but you hear like shuffling and scuffling in the dark. And finally he flicks the lighter on. And what I'm assuming is supposed to be the farmer's wife and children are down in the basement. And he's like, Oh fuck. And then they like attack him and then, yeah. and then blackout to credits. Right. So, so yeah. So the farmer's family, cause you, it is kind of implied the farmer goes crazy and kills his family. Because you don't see the family. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but they are, for some reason, living in the basement as the scavenger cannibals now or something like that. I think it's it, there's something um, it's I want to say it's painted on a suitcase or something like that, where it's like, don't ever leave me or something. I think yes. that because he's been disfigured, he has them chained up so that they, they oh, they're chained up. OK, that makes yeah, sense. so that they don't leave. OK. Um, Something along those lines. Because, yes, you do see a lot of, like, photos where his face is scratched out. So he obviously yeah. has some mental issues with his reconstructive surgery. That's fine. <laughs> right. uh, now, so that's the end of the movie. Now, you stopped watching. I should let you know there is a short 
uh, Avengers like post credit scene. Yes, where yeah. because the because Tracy is able to call her dad and tell her where tell her where she is. Oh, yeah. tell him where she is. So the last shot of the movie is the outside of the farmhouse, and this car rolls up. Four guys get out. One of them is the mob boss, and they're standing there looking at the house. And then the farmer runs out with a pickaxe and swings, and that's like the freeze frame. That's the end. However, I will say the mob boss who gets out is uh, Stephen Burkoff. And if you don't know his name, I'll give you one line from a movie. You'll know exactly who he is. Yoshin put it in his eye. <laughs> oh, no shit. Yes. So oh, from awesome. Rambo Part Two, uh, Steve Burkoff. He's also an octopusy, I believe, uh, and a couple other movies. But yeah, so the bad guy from Rambo Two is the. Oh my god! Yeah, he's also in Prince's Under the Cherry Moon. Um, is he? Yes, he is. Um, that is so fucking awesome! What a great guy to pick for that part. That yeah, is- he gets out of the car, and you're like English mob boss. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. Oh, that's awesome. I wish I would. I, okay, now I have to see it again just for that. <laughs> but um, no, that's it's um, it is a, it it gave us exactly what we were looking for. I I think or gave me what I was looking for in that I saw the trailer and I I saw what looked like a very fun movie and it is very much that. Yeah. Um, the only thing that that I felt a little bit of and it's it's hard to to articulate, but. When the movie ends, you've you've gotten everything that you were looking for, but it almost feels like it was a really short movie. You can't quite put it into words, but it's like, is that it? Like it it's I mean, it has these huge climaxes and these crazy deaths and this fun comedy all throughout. There's no finality, essentially, to it. Yeah, I think that's what it's missing. And and maybe it just introduces a few things without delving into them enough or something like that. Um, because again, when you're blending two genres, you can only spend half the amount of time on one and, and the other. Um, but overall it wasn't, it certainly wasn't enough to, to ruin the experience for me. I, I think it was great because here's the thing. Compare it to like, I don't know, like an hour long massage. Not every movie has to be a 60 minute full body massage. Sometimes you just want to pull your shirt up and (laughs) rub your back against the doorway just to scratch that itch on the back. And that's enough. That's enough for you, you know, and and this movie fulfills that like it, it might not be. Um, as monumental as as some sort of epic, you know, it's it's not saving Private Ryan or whatever, but sometimes you just want those, you know, a quick, fun, you know, in and out, just banger of a movie. And and this delivers on that front. Yeah, there's sure. not a lot to think about. It is just a kickback and enjoy it movie. Yeah. Yeah, this is just, yeah, you can have fun with this one. Um, You know, sometimes we talk about movies where, you know, you don't have to pay a lot of attention or whatever. That doesn't quite go so much for this because you have to know a little bit of the setup. And you like we've said, you don't want to miss the comedy uh, because there is a lot of it and it's very funny. So, um, but it's like you said, it's, it's definitely one that you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be like a Shakespearean scholar to, to, to grasp it. It's just, fun and in your face and it's a great time yep i enjoy it i recommend you recommend absolutely yeah and and you know like we've said i i haven't heard a lot of people talk about this movie no never heard uh, of it at all so i think if you're trying to you know surprise your friends with the fun time and everybody's seen all the same movies show them the cottage yeah check it out throw them some cash because it only made 1.6 million (laughs) dollars right you, I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it was never even released here in any way. I found like box offices for the UK, France, and like the United Emirates. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah, it, and, and if anyone out there listening can tell us anything about this movie, <laughs> please email in with any anecdotes or uh, production history. I'd love to see if you can find any. Yeah, I dare you. I dare you to try it. <laughs> but right, no, cool. But, yeah, it was great. Well, yeah. So that's 2008's The Cottage. Uh, Tim, next week, we're going to talk about sticking around the same time. This is a... Uh, 
you know, we're in the Obama era. So we're going 2009. It had nothing to do with this house at all. I just realized like, oh, we just did like end of Bush into Obama. Cool. 2008 to 2009. Uh, 2009 movie, The House of the Devil. Another one I've never heard of, but looks very good. It looks like it's a very homage 80s slasher to where the, the time period looks very well constructed. Just yeah, from what I've seen in the trailer. Another one that neither one of us have seen. So these no. are these are fun ones. These are nice discoveries. Could go one way, could go another way. We'll all find out soon. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to that one. I might just watch it tonight just for the hell of it. Uh, okay, so that's cool. So please follow us on Instagram at Slumber Podcast Massacre. Our email slumberpodcast at gmail.com. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash slumberpodcastmassacre. A huge thanks to all our patrons uh, for helping make this show possible. Uh, that's about all I've got to say. Tim, do you have anything else to say about the cottage? Temperature. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, just watch this movie for the broken jaw scene. If nothing else, it's the worth the price of admission. I don't Temple. think we could end on anything better than that. <laughs> all right, Tim, we'll see you later. Later. Bye. Oh shit, that was good, that was good. (laughs)